Welcome to another episode of Love and War, the podcast in which the irresistible force overcomes the immovable object. I'm your host, Lee Ballinger. I'm an author, poet, and producer based in Los Angeles. If you want to know more, check out my bio on Facebook, L-E-E-B-A-L-L-I-N-G-E-R. You can hit me up at rockrap at AOL.com, R-O-C-K-R-A-P, or on Facebook. This year in late September, NBA champions, the Golden State Warriors, announced that they would refuse to go to the White House. The next day, Donald Trump said the point was moot because the invitation had been withdrawn. Steve Kerr, the Warriors coach, said at a press conference, these are probably the most divisive times in my life. Steve Kerr is right. These are divisive times. But these are also times of growing unity. For instance, on June 25, 2016, in Fresno, Dylan Noble, a 19-year-old white kid, was shot and killed by Fresno police. Soon after Dylan Noble died, Lou Standifer, who works at Harley-Davidson of Fresno and is a leader of the Underlords Motorcycle Club, organized a vigil that drew hundreds to the gas station where Noble was killed. The vigils and protests continued, and the leadership of them broadened. Justice Medina, who is black, organized one of them, saying, We have to hold them accountable. He's white, and he died in the streets the way a lot of black and brown people have, said Ernesto Saavedra, the son of Mexican immigrants. Since 2014, Fresno police have shot 23 people, killing 14 of them. According to a study by the Washington Post, Police in the United States fatally shoot more whites than blacks. In Unlikely Alliances, Native Nations and White Communities Unite to Defend Rural Lands, Sultan Grossman makes clear that these alliances don't come about because of white guilt or due to reparations for all the harm done to Native Americans. They come about because of common problems, especially with corporate land takeovers and the poisoning of the environment. The native organizers in these alliances, Grossman wrote me, understand how to reach farmers, ranchers, and fishers in deep red Trump land and enlist them in a populist movement that cut across racial lines. Tens of thousands of people at Bernie Sanders rallies supported his call for free education, free medical care, and an end to student debt. Sanders captured the youth vote by stunning margins, 65% in New York, 68% 68% in Maryland, 70% in West Virginia, 72% in North Carolina, 78% in Missouri, 81% in Michigan and Ohio, and 83% in Pennsylvania. On May 4, 2017, House Republicans voted to pass the Affordable Health Care Act, popularly known as Trump Care. Then they went on a week-long recess during which many held town halls, where they were confronted by primarily Republican audiences outraged by the health care vote. There were cries of shame from the crowds. GOP lawmakers were shouted down when they claimed that nobody dies because they don't have health care, and there were demands for single-payer health care. Despite differences in party affiliation, the folks at the town halls were objectively aligning with all those who had earlier attended rallies called to defend Obamacare. 
There are countless other examples out there and a lot more coming in the future, in part because the thinking of the American people is changing. In 2015, the Public Religion Research Institute released the American Values Atlas based on more than 40,000 telephone interviews. Majorities of the residents in all 50 states support a path to citizenship for immigrants. The four states in which residents hold the least concerns about immigrants being a burden are California, Hawaii, New Jersey, and New York, the historic centers of immigration. Majorities of Republicans, white evangelical Protestants, and seniors all support a path to citizenship for immigrants. Approximately 12 million people are held in jail each year. The majority of them are nonviolent offenders and people detained for their inability to make bail. According to a new poll, 62% of Americans support rehabilitation for nonviolent offenders instead of locking them up or using jail as a form of punishment. A Gallup poll found that 58% of U.S. adults favor the idea of a federally funded health care system that provides insurance for all Americans. National opinion and action is shifting, primarily because increasingly people have problems in common. For instance, a survey by the Bureau of Justice Statistics showed that an estimated 500,000 people were threatened by or had force used against them by police officers in one year. Blacks and Latinos made up half of those who had such experiences, even though they made up only one-fifth of the population covered by the survey. On the other hand, half of them were white. Unity is now possible between the cities and the suburbs. In 1990, U.S. cities had 9.5 million living in poverty as compared to 8.5 million people in the suburbs living in poverty. 2014 data show that cities had 13 million poor people, while the suburban poor totaled 17 million people, an increase of 100%. In the 50 largest U.S. metro areas, 44% of suburban residents live in multiracial, multiethnic suburbs. Since 2004, when homeownership rates peaked, 7 million homes have been foreclosed on. This epidemic has spread everywhere. The seemingly serene Los Angeles suburb of Temecula has often been ranked as the California city with the most foreclosures. The ongoing wave of foreclosures has helped to fuel the rise of mass homelessness. 41% of the homeless are white, 40% are African American, 11% are Hispanic, and 8% are Native American. In November 2016, 76% of Los Angeles voters approved a $1.5 billion bond issue to create housing for the homeless. That overwhelming majority was a result of the growing fear of homelessness by L.A. residents of every age and color. In 1964, the 24th Amendment abolished the poll tax, but in Alabama and eight other states, anyone who has been incarcerated not only loses their right to vote, but cannot regain it until they pay off any outstanding court fines, legal fees, and victim restitution. Of the more than 280,000 disenfranchised felons in Alabama, a little over half are black 
and most of the rest are white. Okay, so where is all this going? Mike Wiggins, Jr., chairman of the Bad River Band of Lake Superior Chippewa, says, quote, how we're going to coexist and ultimately how we're going to end up with a model that is enviable on a planetary scale is we're going to love our neighbor. We're going to share, end quote. We have the numbers. We have the moral high ground. If we can become as single-mindedly united as our enemies, as sure as they are that we represent one group with common interests, then the 1% will become mere dust in the wind of earth-shaking change. Since the world began Tried their best to separate the people So we couldn't understand I have a new book out called Love and War, My First 30 Years of Writing. You can download a copy absolutely free at loveandwarbook.com. That's loveandwarbook.com. Let me know what you think of it. In September, Rhiannon Giddens, an African-American bluegrass musician, delivered the keynote address at the International Bluegrass Music Association Conference held in Raleigh, North Carolina. Here is just a taste of what she had to say. I'm just a hillbilly at heart. That's what my Aunt Ruth said one day, smiling broadly at me, all cheekbones and gorgeous brown skin. To say she surprised me is an understatement. We had just listened to a few tracks off my first album with the Carolina Chocolate Drops when she dropped this bombshell. My elegant great aunt, who had lived in the North for decades, but came of age in rural North Carolina. This was in the beginning of my career, when I still hadn't fully come to comprehend just how much the popular notion of the hillbilly stereotype shaped post-war Southern life and culture. The moonshine and the banjos, the overalls and the hay bales, the coal mines and the fiddles. All of these generalizations had left out people like my great-aunt, people like her sister, my grandma, and her children and left out people like me, who come from both sides of the track. Except, in so many areas of the South, there is no track. There's just people living and influencing each other in spite of what they are told to feel and do. And yes, Southern and American history is unfortunately thickly dotted with instances of the worst of human nature. Violence, discrimination, and the warping of our souls. But underneath, and behind and around all of these acts is the strong current of intense cultural exchange, which is the hallmark of American culture. It is important to what is going on right now to stress the musical brother and sisterhood we have had for hundreds of years. For every act of 
cultural appropriation, of financial imbalance, of the erasure of names and faces, of the outside attempt to create artificial division and sow hatred, simply to keep us down so that the powers that be can continue to enjoy the fruits of our labor. There are generous acts of working-class cultural exchange taking place in the background. You can take my body, you can take my bones, you can take my blood, but not my soul. You can take my body, you can take my bones, you can take my blood, but not my soul. Let's finish up with a quote of the week, this time from Nakoda Dakota elder Faith Spotted Eagle, who said, The model of capitalism is trying to suffocate us, because with capitalism, you need an underclass. Capitalism cannot survive without poor farmers, without poor Indians, without poor people in the cities. That's it for now. If you see me on the street, smile back. Well, together we stand, divided we fall. Come on now, people, let's all get on the ball and work together. Come on, come on, let's work together. Here now, people, because together we will stand every ball.